Good morning, Brett McGarry. You, are you sure it's a good morning? Because you were rather upset when producer Kyle on What's Brewing mentioned the word daylight saving time. Oh, man. You know, I know we just went through this in November. We lament the fact that we're doing this, messing around. I almost used a bad word there with the clocks. And I think it's time, as we mentioned, I think in November. Uh, you know what? Just leave it alone. Let's just leave it the heck alone. Because uh, now we're going to give back that hour of sleep that we got as a bonus in November. And all I say is if they decide to leave it alone, can we just figure it out so that we don't have to give back that hour of sleep? Yeah. I don't know why it makes a difference, but it really does for some people. Jeff Braun in particular saying messes them up for days. Yeah. Well, it's hard when you with with the the early schedule, right? Sure. Uh, and I know every hour is precious, right? Indeed. Uh, and you can blame. Well, you can. Looks like you can blame the residents of Port Arthur, Ontario, <laughs> which is now known as Thunder Bay, because they were the first spot on planet Earth to implement daylight saving time back in 1908. I had no idea that it was born in Thunder Bay. I guess uh, one more reason to have a gripe with Julie Buckingham. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was. Uh, I think it wasn't invented there, but it was the first place that, that used it, but it was popularized by Germany when they introduced it in 1916. Just All right. Some quick trivia on that. All right. Well, see, uh, Saskatchewan, you know how I feel about Saskatchewan. They've got it right. They don't mess around with the clocks. Although they did in 1914, uh, Regina implemented implemented uh, daylight saving time. Yeah, I know. It's bizarre. They haven't moved it. Uh, Audrey asked me, have you never traveled? Yes, Audrey, I've traveled plenty, and jet lag is a real thing, and changing your clock is a real pain in the neck, and it's bad for your body. There are endless scientific research studies to back that up. Uh, just It's just time just to leave it the heck alone. And which one would you leave it at? Uh, whichever one doesn't cost me any sleep. <laughs> <laughs> probably okay. when we change it on Sunday, we should. That's probably actually where we should leave it. Yeah, I think right because yeah. we like to have the, the the light in the evening, whether it's in the winter or not. What difference does it make if it's dark until nine thirty instead of eight thirty in the dead of winter? I'd like to have a little bit of daylight on my way home if I'm working a nine to five shift as opposed to. You know, going to work in the dark and coming home in the dark, maybe we could have it one or the other for people who are working a traditional eight-hour day. I don't know. Not an expert on it. I just want them to leave it the heck alone because this really surprised me. I didn't realize it was coming up so quickly. Yeah, I forgot. It. Yeah, it's just one of those things that I hadn't thought about at all. Uh, but as soon as you started to panic, I thought, really? Oh, it is. Yeah, it's, it's March. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking yep. of coming up quickly, Patrick uh -huh. Laine. Three more goals last night for the Winnipeg Jets. They beat the Rangers 3-0. Steve Mason came back for his first game in about two months. Got a shutout last night. Got lucky. Uh, but you got to be good to be lucky, lucky to be good. Lining now has 13 goals in his last nine games. Really? He's within two goals of Alexander Ovechkin for the league lead in goals. He's got 38 on the season. Ovechkin, if your math is not that good, I'll do it for you, has 40. Uh, the Jets now have three wins in a row. They're five of their last six, eight and two in their last 10 games. 
Uh, but there's uh, one team that's doing better than them. Nashville. Mm-hmm. 9-1-0 and oh in their last 10. And the Jets are six points behind Nashville for first place in the Central, although they do play one another. I think it's next Tuesday in Nashville. So that could maybe decide it. Really? In terms of who will get first place in the Central. 16 games left for both teams. Uh, playoffs coming up quite quickly here. If you thought the... Change in clocks is coming up quite quickly. There are, are only about uh, five weeks left in the National Hockey League regular season. Oh, that's exciting! Yeah, Jet, uh, Nashville having won nine in a row. That's uh, is that is that common? No. Like what's uh, what uh, typical win streak in a uh, in hockey? Three, four, five okay. for a really good team. Uh, but yeah, to go on a nine, we've seen I think one ten game winning streak this year. Uh, Florida lost an overtime last night. They'd won six in a row. Yeah, healthy winning streaks, about six or seven games, but to rattle off nine in a row, uh, the timing for the Nashville Predators, pretty good. Not too great for the Jets, but I think most Jets fans would uh, take them finishing in second place in the Central Division. I think that'd be a comfy place for them, give them home ice advantage in the at least the first round of the playoffs and then see how it all susses out from there. Yeah, that'd be good, uh, and it's exciting to to hear Winnipeg Jets and playoffs. I think how many? I, I realize obviously we, the better they do, uh, well, that's how we want to see it. But I'm sure a lot of people would just want to see them make it, right? Well, just I get think, in. I think for a lot of people, uh, the expectation though for most people I speak to is if they could just win a round. I know they've yeah. never won a game either as Atlanta or Winnipeg. They're zero and eight. In their in their oh, franchise in the, uh, history, yes, yeah, okay. and so uh, they went zero for four against Anaheim, and then the Thrashers, I think zero and four. I think they played the Rangers the one year they made the playoffs in Atlanta. I'm going off my memory there, but I know for sure they got swept. So uh, exactly eight total games in. Uh, Atlanta slash Winnipeg history. So to win one game obviously would be better than to win none. But I believe the expectation for most people is to win at least one round so that the Jets can uh, play into May at least. It would be very exciting in these parts. And you were correct. They the Adla- the Thrashers qualified for the Stanley Cup playoffs, or as I like to say, the North American <laughs> Ice Hockey League Championships <laughs> Very nice. uh, during the 2006-2007 season in which they won the Southeast Division, but they were swept in the first round by the New York Rangers. There we go. Well, it might be hard to imagine it right now, but that snow will be melting soon enough. When it does, someone's surely going to get a booter, or would it be a soaker? Suppose it depends on where you come from. Today we're having coffee talking about regional vernacular, or is it vernacular? <laughs> Mackling and McGarry in the morning, joined uh, by Shanalee Vidal, Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, and the omnipresent behind the glass, Jerry. And Jerry, since you are from... Away? From, from away. <laughs> <laughs> Booter, soaker, are you familiar with either, neither of I'm, these terms? I'm I'm aware of both of them, and they're two separate things. Okay, continue. I like how you're starting this out. Uh, a booter is when you get a boot full of snow. I love it. A soaker is when you step in a puddle and get a boot full of water. I think it's so simple. Yet some of the brightest minds in Winnipeg have been debating this on social <laughs> media for about three days now. I propose that they're, they don't necessarily have to be synonyms for one another. They are two separate things. And the conversation sort of stopped. 
And so we're going to have to ponder this. No one had brought the possibility up that a booter and a soaker were two different things, Jeff. I've never heard of either of these terms until I came into this newsroom. Really? And, and not only that, uh, how dumb do you have to be that you do this often enough that you've come up with a name <laughs> for it? Like, I don't in it's my life purposeful, Jeff. recall. I've, neither one of those has ever happened to me. You never lost your boot in a snowbank no. playing, playing at school or no, something like that? No, my boots come with laces. You tighten them up and... You, Feet straight dry. That's why you buy boots to begin with. You never had a rubber boot in your life. That's a rubber boot, though. We're talking yeah. about snow boots. I've had a rubber boot. Well, yeah, they that... go up high and they keep the water out. Like, that's <laughs> the whole point of them. Jeff is the smartest man in Canada. I've totally forgot. <laughs> See, Kelly, when I heard you, you come from away, you should be yeah, called I come from away. When I first heard you mention this this morning, I thought it was because you're standing on the side of the road, some nimrod soaks you, and you want to put a boot up his derriere. <laughs> wow. So you get soaked and you want to put a boot somewhere. I like that, <laughs> that's, Kelly. Yeah, that's what you I want to get him a soaker. Yeah. <laughs> well, Shanley, you've got some rather uh, burly winter boots. I'm guessing you don't get a booter or soaker in those. I don't get anything, anything in those. It's funny. I've never actually heard of the term soaker. And and the term booter, I only actually heard a few years ago when, I don't know, maybe I stepped in a big, huge, like, foot-long puddle of water and my boyfriend's laughing at me. Ha ha, you got a booter. <laughs> Why did you step in the puddle? I don't know. And he was wrong. You didn't have a booter. You had a soaker. <laughs> and, and, the, and the thing is, though, um, with uh, stepping in the snow, I I just always called it a boot full of snow. I never really didn't. I didn't know there was actually a name or yeah, a term so for anything go. like that. How about this from the Urban Dictionary? In my experience... Always seem to happen in the snowy months, slipping on the snow, then jumping across the creek, stepping through the thin ice on the side of a pond, falling through a spring snowbank that has been hollowed out by the thaw's runoff. Bob McKenzie, Bob and Doug McKenzie, yeah. is standing knee deep in a vat of beer, which is quickly rising. My brother and I used to say that drowning in beer was like heaven, eh? Now he's not there here, and I've got two soakers. This isn't heaven. This sucks. I am uh, also in the camp that uh, I've never heard the term soaker. I've heard, heard the term booter. Uh, and just to show the, the, the fact that there is a divide here, I looked up booter versus soaker. And I found just there's a whole bunch of uh, websites that have stories like here's one on a website called mentalfloss.com. Ten Canadian slang terms explained. And it refers to booter. And it says a booter is when you step into a puddle or snowbank deep enough that the water flows into your boot or shoe. Uh, and then I found another article on McLean's. Uh, 11 Canadian words, phrases, and slang most Americans wouldn't understand. And it refers to soaker as what you call your foot after stepping in a deep puddle or lake or river. So Canadians are divided. <laughs> they are divided, and it's not the only uh, terminology they're divided on. When I lived in British Columbia, Kelly, maybe you can... Uh, vouch for this. In uh, in Manitoba growing up, my underwear that I would get from my grandmother at Christmas was called gotchies. Get your gotch. <laughs> but what do they call it in BC, Kelly? Gonchies. Ginch and gaunch, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. So there is a divide there. And everybody knows that uh, one of those donuts with jam in the middle is called Chantilly Vidal. That's a jam buster. Yeah, well, you go to British Columbia, oh, it's a jelly-filled donut. They yes. don't know what a jam buster is. <laughs> well, and I will, uh, speaking I, of divided, you have side-by-sides in, in Manitoba 
in BC, they are referred to as duplexes. Right, or yeah. semi-detached in uh, Toronto, they'll yeah, call them. Yeah, semi-detached, right? yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's another one? Oh, here's one. Uh, in Saskatchewan, they call a hoodie what? A uh, hooded sweater? Something something that is probably isn't correct. <laughs> no, sweatshirt with a hood on it. Uh, they call it a bunny hug. A bunny? A what? A bunny hug. In every other jurisdiction in the world, I believe it's just a hooded That's sweatshirt so or a hoodie. In Saskatchewan, it's known as a bunny hug. When I was a kid, did they call it a kangaroo? I actually did, yes. yes. I, yeah, yeah. They kangaroo, did. yes, I remember yeah, I, kangaroo. I, I, do you remember that? That's That's Oilers Anything with pockets in the front, yeah. I think, was a kangaroo. Uh, so we have a show on the weekend that Jeff Braun and I are part of called The Couch Potatoes. Uh, Jerry, what do you, how do you, would you rather it be called something else? I love Chesterfield. Yeah? <laughs> the Chesterfield potatoes. <laughs> do you just like saying Chesterfield? I or do. Is that I, from... No, I, I like saying Chesterfield, and that's what my grandma used to always call it, the Chesterfield. Yep. And so I picked that up, and every time I say that, Sarah looks at me and says, you're just such an old man. <laughs> Chesterfield? Is that yeah. just an old like British thing? My grandma so. and my it's mom a... did, called the two there for New Brunswick. I thought it was a New Brunswick. I think it's because an old they, people thing. Yeah, they, they, were, they were made in Chesterfield. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> old people thing. They were made in Chesterfield, so they called them Chesterfield. Well, there you go. Wow. And what about, I brought up this uh, idea that maybe there was a certain type of sofa, couch, Chesterfield, whatever you call it. A Devon. Davenport. Yeah. That was named after Winnipeg, Brett. Yes. And you seem to find some research that sort of justified my belief. Yeah, if you, if you in order to, to find it on Google, I put, the, I put Winnipeg couch in quotes. And then it gives you a couple of hits, but it's all the same definition. And it is defined as a simple couch having no back or arms that can then be converted into a double bed. So you, you just go. sort of push one side down and it pops open into a, a quick bed. Like a futon? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, basically the same sort of idea. It's I, not a futon, though. I, th I think it comes from further back than than the whole invention of the futon. Uh, what was the other one I had? Oh, what about climbing a fence? Did you ever call it hucking the fence or chucking a fence? No. Oh. No. 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 Hucking the fence Hucking sounds, the fence, right? That sounds familiar. Jeff? No. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> when you're a little kid, if you get mixed up on the words there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're mixed up on the uh, business end of the fence. What about, <laughs> what, about uh, what about Devil's Night and Gate Night? Oh, ah, yeah. yes, of yeah. course. Gate Night and Devil's Night. I've are... never heard of Gate Night until I moved here. There's always go. Devil's That's Night. That's a Winnipeg thing. Uh, I've never knock, knock, Ginger. Uh, here it's Knock, Knock, Ginger, but when I was a kid, it was uh, Nicky, Nicky, Nicky. Doors. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Wow. Nikki Nikki Nine. In Ontario, yeah. that's what they yeah. called it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Here it's just knock knock ginger, right? Yeah. Uh bumper shining. Yeah, it's a bumper you? jumping. Yep. What do they call it down where you're from? Bumper jumping. Bumper jumping. Bumper Wow. <laughs> Someone said or skitching. Some people report. call it skitching. Uh -huh. I, I just uh -huh. want to end on this note from my perspective with respect to uh, soakers yes. and booters. Yes. When all the snow on the ice goes away. Just don't get a pooper. <laughs> He's good. It's a good point. It is a good point, which is a great uh, opportunity to remind people, pick up after your dogs, please. That will prevent Kelly from getting a pooper. Uh, what, somebody just real quick here, Brett, went to school in Toronto. I was asked if someone could borrow my rubber. I, I says, pardon? <laughs> uh, oh, I mean your uh, eraser. Eraser. <laughs> I'm Brett McGarry. Greg Mackling right beside me. They moved from Germany to Canada, but within 10 years, Guido Amsel says his marriage with his wife ended in a bitter divorce. Court battles, accusations of embezzlement, and now further claims his former wife Iris 
was the real mastermind in a series of letter bombs that terrorized the city in the summer of 2015. Amsel spoke to Global's Brittany Greenslade in an exclusive interview from Headingley Correctional Centre. Brittany, it sounds like Guido and his ex-wife had a tumultuous relationship. Yes, and it was a marriage that we heard a lot about in court during that trial. The two moved here in the early 90s, and they built a house together. They owned the Eurotech auto body shop together. Now, Iris did most of the paperwork, the billings, writing checks, ordering parts, taking care of the finances, keeping track of it. And Guido was in charge of doing all the labor. But court heard when their marriage dissolved, they were fighting over tens of thousands of dollars that were owed in the separation. And Guido says their relationship soured even more when he met his new bride. Yesterday, we heard Guido speak about a conspiracy against him, saying the police needed someone to blame. And now he's laying that blame on someone else. Guido says it was his ex-wife who really sent those bombs through the mail, the one to her former lawyer, Maria Matusis, a second bomb sent to another law firm, and one that went to the auto body shop and was addressed to Iris herself. Now, Guido says his ex-wife wanted to ruin his life. She has said she is going to destroy me, and that's what she really tried to do all, all the years. She has destroyed my business, and she was going to destroy me. Now, these accusations were first brought up in court, and every time she was asked, Iris claimed she had nothing to do with any of the bombs. Brittany, uh, Guido is also charged with two counts of attempted murder for an explosion that happened in 2013. What does he have to say about that one? Again, he claims he had nothing to do with that bombing either. That explosion happened at the couple's former home, where Iris was currently living with her boyfriend at the time. And in court, Iris said neither her nor her boyfriend heard any bomb go off. Uh, Instead, only noticed broken glass and debris once one of them went outside early the next morning. But Guido claims it would have been impossible for either person not to hear it. Iris Amso, she has not woken up at the explosion herself and her boyfriend and her dog. And uh, the the neighbor 100 meters down the road, he falls out of bed. And again, Iris was also questioned about the incident in court last November. She insisted she had nothing to do with the bombings. Guido and his defense team never presented any evidence in court that would support his claim. Well, now it's all in the hands of a judge. Again, still no verdict in the attempted murder trial of Guido Amsel. Brittany Greenslade will have more tonight on Global News at 6. Thank you very much, Brittany. Shattering Glass. Winnipeg's Women on 680 CJOB. Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling. If you are just tuning in for the first time this week and are not familiar with Shattering Glass, Winnipeg's Women, this is a series that we began yesterday and we're going to continue it throughout the week. It's a series that is looking at women living in our city. Things have improved, yeah, for women in the workforce, but there are still large outstanding issues like pay inequity, underrepresentation, search for daycare, the list goes on. So we're trying to just run a gauntlet of topics. And the topic that I wanted to cover as we begin day two of our Shattering Glass series focuses on my journey across Winnipeg as I visited with four young women entrepreneurs. And they've all got something in common that's a little... Sweet. Over the last year and a bit, Mackling and McGarry have met many wonderful entrepreneurs, many of whom are women. 
And of those women, some of my favorite ones also sell pastries. So that's where I went. Tough assignment, I know, as Demi Lovato would say. CJOB is in the Polo Park area, so why don't we start just over the St. James Bridge at a place found at 580 Academy Road, Jenna Ray Cakes. Macarons, they're our best-selling item. Jenna Ray Cakes is co-owned by 29-year-old identical twin sisters Jenna and Ashley Ilchuk. The shop's been open since 2014, and unfortunately, there have been many times where the sisters have not been taken seriously. Well, I don't know if this was because I was a woman, but going to the banks, trying to get money for um, something like this, was it, it was impossible. Well, I couldn't do it. That was Jenna. Here's Ashley. I think it was more at the beginning, but we'd get people, like contractors and stuff coming in and be like, so where's the owner? And then they'd look to my dad. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, we are. And they are killing it on social media with over 172,000 followers on Instagram. To give you some context, I have 376. <laughs> And if you Google Best Cake Instagram, you'll find Jenna Ray featured on lists from Town & Country, Bustle, and MarthaStewartWeddings.com, just to name a few. Oh, and the macarons, by the way, spectacular. At the Cirque du Soleil Curios opening last year, there was a buffet of them, and I inhaled like a dozen. Up, up, more. We'll hear more from Jenna and Ashley in a moment. First, let's go to our next stop. It's at Kildare and McMeans in my old stomping grounds of Transcona Sweet Sea Bakery. Chocolate chip cookie sandwich, so it's got a layer of our homemade buttercream in it. What is this? It's a chocolate-covered Oreo um, as a Millennium Falcon. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? Sweet Sea, which has been in existence for seven years now, but not as a storefront until 2016, is owned by 32-year-old Corey Poon, and her business partner is her husband, Jeff. Much like the sisters at Generate Cakes, Corey says people often do not look to her as the owner. Him and I were to go into a meeting, um, he's often gets talked to first, you know, his hand often gets shaken first. He's just um, always assumed to be the main holder of the business, whereas it's completely the opposite. Another challenge Corey faces as a business owner is being a mom. I've literally been laying in bed in labor in the hospital responding to emails. Corey has three kids under the age of six and it's a challenge to balance it all. I've been at farmer's markets with a newborn on my hip. Uh, we have pictures from when Nolan, he's our youngest, and he was like two weeks old and we're selling cookies outside at the Forks on Canada Day. As for that chocolate Millennium Falcon, it was delicious and the Oreo cookie inside Nice touch. Me want cookie! As far as being a mom slash business owner goes, Ashley Jenna Ray, who has a 16-month-old, took one day off. You can't really take a lot of time off. I mean, I definitely cut down for a couple months, a lot, but you're just kind of working in between naps and working in the evenings and sleeping, obviously, a lot when you can, but... I kind of, I didn't have a year mat leave. However. It's also really nice to own your own business because I am home with him two days a week and then I just make up the rest of my hours whenever I can. So it is, it's nice to have that flexibility for sure. Up next, you'll meet the owner of the third place I visited, the woman who says this. If somebody calls you the B word, be that B word. I'm uh, suddenly really hungry for a whole bunch of uh, pastries. Yeah. Was the, was the chocolate chip cookie sandwich? Yeah, that was really good, by the oh, way. Oh, yes. Yeah. Brett, uh, 
I can't wait to hear more. This is spectacular. And yeah, thanks a lot. I didn't bring any baked goods whatsoever <laughs> for lunch, breakfast, or supper here at 680 CGOB. So uh, you got the tummy uh, churning. I didn't realize I would have a bone to pick with you and have a point oh. of contention on this oh. story. You could say it's Mackling and McGarry, yet here you are traveling to all these bakeries around Winnipeg. It was just McGarry. What's the deal with that? Were you, were you not here when I came back? Well, you know what? Hang on. <laughs> we'll visit this topic in a moment uh, because it's going to spoil everything that I'm about to say. As we continue along... My fantastic voyage of visiting three delicious bakeries. Solo voyage. <laughs> that are all owned by women. So far, we've met Jenna and Ashley Ilchuk from Generate Cakes on Academy Road, Corey Poon from Sweet Sea Bakery on Kildare Avenue East, and now let's go to the third place on my list, Oh Donuts. Mmm. Oh, nuts. Oh, Donuts is owned by 37 year old Amanda Kinden. And just like Ashley and Corey, Amanda has a family. How long have you been married, by the way? That's a question I should know the answer to. (laughs) (laughs) She did end up remembering her anniversary. It's in October 2016. She and her wife have a daughter who was just born in November. The shop opened in 2016 at 326 Broadway. For the two years before that, she was making donuts on overnights six days a week for places like coffee shops. When I asked Amanda how did she go about getting funding for O Donuts... Oh, I didn't get any funding from anybody. More on Amanda's funding issues in a moment. First, one option that women have to try is the Women's Enterprise Centre of Manitoba. CEO Sandra Altner tells 680 CJOB the centre has been around for 25 years. We're an organization that uh, works to support women who are starting or expanding or purchasing a business and we provide services such as advisory, mentoring, coaching, training and loans up to 150000 Unfortunately for Amanda, she tried the Enterprise Center and was denied financial aid, so she had to take out a loan on her house. There was a male restaurant expert, and he discouraged me from, they all actually discouraged me from opening a storefront, said that I should focus on wholesale. So that's what I was doing before. I had proven that worked. There's demand for that. They couldn't fathom how I could get, I don't know, 100, 200 people coming through the door each day to make it worthwhile to open a retail storefront. And he said that people were trending towards health food, you know, they're not going to buy donuts in the amounts that you need to sell them. Altner says they have to weigh out every case. We work with people primarily on an advisory basis and a training basis to ensure that their business planning is sufficient to give them a reasonable chance for viability. Bottom line, it can be tough to open a business, especially for women. But... The tide appears to be turning. A federal government study from 2014 shows 15.7% of small businesses in Canada are majority owned by women. But anecdotally, Altner says in the last five years, there are more small businesses being started by women, which makes her happy. Well, jubilation, of course. We are very excited when we see new businesses start up. Women as an economic resource are quite underutilized, not only here in Canada, but globally. Quick note on the donuts. I brought some back to work, opened the box to hand them out. First took a bite of a Ferrero Rocher donut, which I then was going to bring back to my desk and sit down and eat it like a civilized human being. But it had this chocolate filling, which I wasn't expecting. So I just stood there in the middle of the room, sucking this thing back while pieces of chocolate were falling all over the floor from the top of the donut. It was so good. 
So to wrap this up, Jenna Ilchuk from Jenna Ray Cakes would like to see more women work together. I feel like some women have the tendency to tear other women down, but I feel like that's moving away from that with um, kind of supporting other women in business, but it's still there. So I think kind of focusing on that and trying to support other people, even if they're in your own field, like there's enough to go around. There's no need to be that cutthroat competitive. I think it's it's nice to, to build each other up rather than tear each other down. Corey Poon from Sweet Sea Bakery says, if you're looking to start your own thing, don't take any crap. I've gone into bank meetings before when I was looking for financing and I literally got told to my face that if I was a man, there'd be no issue approving my application. But considering I was a mom and high risk because I got three kids, if I was to get approved, I would have a higher interest rate or any, something like that. And I just love being, um, you know, being someone who's uh, showing that you can break through. And you tell me I'm not going to do something, watch me, I'm going to do it ten times more. Amanda Kinden from O'Donut says it's okay to be tough. If somebody calls you a bad name, if they, you know, the B word, be that B word. Obviously, men are just good business people when they're being assertive and women are perceived to be not assertive. Uh, but you have to stick up for yourself. Nobody else is going to do it. And finally, I asked Ashley Ilchuk what she would say to anyone who still won't take her seriously for being a woman. Uh, get with the times. <laughs> More on their stories with extended interviews at CJOB.com. Outstanding and inspirational as well, Brett. Uh, you know, you noted, I think, in the first segment that you and I have done our best to highlight small business successes in our community. And these women uh, are really making a difference. They are giving Winnipeg a new energy. They have boundless amounts of energy themselves, and it really resonates with their customers. And it really bled through in the conversations you had with them. Yeah, and that's one that just kind of occurred to me. That as I was thinking about the various entrepreneurs that we've spoken to over the last uh, since the fall of 2016, and the majority of them are women. And I've I wonder, and there's no way to prove this, but I, I bet this has something to do with it. But in the last five years, all of these young businesses are, are there's a real sense of collaboration and community, and I want I, I think that that probably has a lot to do with these women working together and they're they're encouraging people to work together rather than be as Jenna pointed out there's no need to tear each other down let's work together we don't have to be that super competitive or cutthroat a uh, couple of extra things worth noting generate cakes uh, on top of the macarons being yummy mm -hmm. which they really are uh, they also gave me a cupcake as I was leaving the, the shop and it had a half inch of icing on it with sprinkles and uh, <laughs> it was so good. I sat, it was just kind of bouncing as I ate it in my car. <laughs> bouncing just, for joy? I was just like, oh, this, this is so good. Sprinkles are flying all over my car. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, Generate Cakes and then Sweet Sea Bakery. They've actually, their signature item, and I didn't mention this in the piece, but they've got this candy sushi. Right. Which uh, there's a picture of it at cjob.com. It's not sushi that's been turned into candy. Uh, it's candy that looks like sushi. It's tasty, and it ships all around the world, so that's neat. I remember when Corey came to visit us the first time, and, yeah. and she showed us pictures of this. First of all, I was bothered that she didn't bring actual examples, <laughs> but the pictures were delectable, and the idea that you could be so creative with candy and these creations, uh, it's absolutely mind-blowing what these ladies are doing. Yeah, the creativity on display in all three shops. Oh, donuts, for example. They had, I was happy about this. They had a 
bunch of offerings for vegans. What? I and I and so I brought one back for behind the glass Jerry because we never get to bring him stuff uh, because we're it's always pizza or I don't know stuff he can't eat. What did you think of the vegan donut? It was amazing. Yeah. Good. Yes. They, had, they had three uh, different kinds of, of donuts for vegans, so uh, they just uh, they used margarine instead of butter. Well, we had uh, you brought a jam buster was in that collection, mm-hmm. and talk about overloaded with jam. It just oozed out of this jam buster and real raspberry jam. It was so amazing. Oh, that's amazing. right. That's right when so Diana amazing. brought in some donuts. Well, I, had to, I had to stand over. I had to stand over the box like you. My intention was to get it back to my desk. <laughs> was not happening, man. <laughs> They're so good. I should also point out as well, as I mentioned, extended interviews of all uh, that I did with all three uh, at sh- all three shops can be found in my story at cjob.com. And in particular, uh, I wanted to point out as well the Yo Donuts piece with Amanda, or with Amanda, she talks about not just the challenges of being a woman, but also a gay woman. And her wife is uh, uh, of a minority race, so there are some challenges associated with that, and there are some transgender things that we discuss. So there's still a lot more information available at our story at cjob.com. And I also just want to thank all four of these great women, Jenna and Ashley Ilchuk, Corey Poon, and Amanda Kinden, for showing me such wonderful hospitality as I visited their shops for the first time. You know, most of the interesting people, Greg, that we meet while doing our job, most of them are usually in studio with us. Right. So it was nice to go see them and see their shops and sample their delicious stuff. I mean, I'm normally a potato chips kind of salty snack guy, but this has definitely given me a sweet tooth because it was all just so good. I feel like I've never had pastries until the last couple of weeks. Well, because these are freshly made, they're in a storefront, they've only gone feet, not miles, right? Par, baked somewhere, started elsewhere, finished here. This is start to finish in the facility that you're visiting. And you used a word in your closing uh, statement there that I think sticks out for me as the key to really being successful in business and you can use it in different areas. And that's the word hospitality that resonates with people. It makes people feel welcome and you're inclined to go back again and again when you are treated hospitably. Yeah. And Corey, actually, she likes to, she said that uh, she considers Sweet Sea Bakery, which is uh, near the edge of Transcona. Uh, she's destination, says it, right? Yeah. She's, and she says it's her, it's the, her neighborhood bakery. For more stories, go to cjob.com and search Winnipeg Women. One, two, three. It is time now for Three Things with Shanalee Vidal, and today it is three famous Canadian women whose names may not ring a bell. Hi, Shanalee. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Greg. Coming in to make us feel stupid, are you, Shanalee? <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> Probably pretty simple, too. <laughs> My pleasure, she says. <laughs> well, as you heard in Jeff's newscast, uh, in honor of tomorrow being International Women's Day, Ipsos released a poll on behalf of Historical Canada. You might be familiar with them. They do those heritage moments on TV. Right. And so it was to find out how familiar we are with the achievements of famous Canadian women in history. All right. Now, now, there are 15 women listed on their list. 40% of people surveyed hadn't heard of any of them. Now, hold on. Now, the, 40% of people, men and women, had yes, not heard of them. Yes, men and women surveyed okay. hadn't heard of 
hadn't All heard right. of any of them. Just want to make that clear. And at the top of the list, uh, we have Emily Carr with 38%. Lucy Maud Montgomery, she wrote the Anne of Green Gables books, 27%. This surprised me. Nellie McClung, only 16% knew what Nellie McClung was famous for. So I thought I would take a look at the women who are actually at the very bottom of the list and tell you a bit more about why they are great Canadians. I like the way you're thinking. So now starting uh, starting at the bottom, uh, 1%, we have Fanny Bobby Rosenfeld. She's been referred to as Canada's female athlete of the first half century. Huh. Rosenfeld's family came to Barrie, Ontario from the Ukraine in 1904 when she was an infant. She competed in the 1928 Summer Olympics in Amsterdam, winning gold in the 400-meter relay and silver in the 100-meter. Uh, she was an accomplished athlete in other sports like basketball, hockey, softball, tennis. And here's, here's something I love about her. Uh, she was actually called Bobby because of her hairstyle. It was a bob, obvious, obviously. Okay. Uh, I thought maybe you were going to tell us that, that that's why it's called a bob <laughs> haircut because of, okay. I don't, uh, anyways, in 1996, she was inducted into the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. And there's also an annual award named after her. I think it started in 1933. And it's given to Canada's Female Athlete of the Year. It's still being given out. And uh, Rosenfeld passed away in 1969 at the age of 64. Okay, so she passed away in 1969, and they didn't put her into the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame until 1996? That's correct. Shame on you, Ontario. Very surprising. Okay, who's number two, the second... Most least favorite famous woman that you've never heard of that you should have? This one on my list, she's also sitting at 1%. It's Inuit artist Kenujuak Ashuvak. She was born in an igloo in an Inuit camp in Baffin Island in the Northwest Territories in 1927. She passed away in 2013. In 1966, rather, she moved to Cape Dorset, Nunavut. That's where she started doing a lot of her drawings and soapstone carvings. Now, you've probably never heard of Ashuvak. But I'm sure you've seen her art. Uh, last year, there was a $10 bill that came out in honor of Canada's 150th. Ashivak's owl print is featured uh, on it on both sides. Uh, her art was also featured on the 1999 Millennium Quarter series, wow. the April edition. I don't know if you remember that. I do. There's an actually. owl. That was her. As well, Canada Post issued stamps with her art several times. Yeah. She's received honorary doctorates, uh, was appointed as a companion to the Order of Canada, also has a spot on Canada's Walk. Of fame. Right on. So, yeah. What's, uh, let's go to number three. Number three. This one, she has a little bit more. 2% of Canadians were familiar with her achievements. Marianne Shad Carey. She has ties to both Canada and the U.S. She was of African-American heritage, born in 1923 in Delaware to free parents. And her parents were uh, very involved in the Underground rail, Railroad. She decided to follow a similar path, went north to Canada, settling in Windsor, Ontario. Uh, she became a publisher, journalist, lawyer, teacher, anti-slavery activist. She became the first woman publisher in Canada and was the first black woman publisher in North America. She created the Provincial Freedom newspaper to tell stories of black people living in freedom in Canada and encouraging Africans and Americans in the U.S. to follow. And she passed away in 1893. That's, uh, I, I would be among those who had not heard of those three. So thank you, Shanley, for... For shining a light on all their their wonderful achievements, they're, they're so such interesting ladies. I, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing about uh, all the other ones we didn't really know very well. All right, yeah, I'm looking at this list, and boy, I I have to 
claim some ignorance on uh, probably half the the women on this list. So uh, good on you for bringing three of them to light. Thank you, Shanley. Three things with Shanley Vidal. Thank you very much, Shanley. The segment is heard every day after the 8 o'clock news on 680 CJOB. group of firefighters are in for a few chilly nights. The United Firefighters of Winnipeg, along with Muscular Dystrophy Canada, are holding the ninth annual Firefighters Rooftop Campout. And to tell us more about this, we're joined by UFFW President Alex Forrest. Joins us live on 680 CJOB. Alex, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. Are you on the roof? Uh, you know what? I'm at the fire station. We were just on the road. We were doing our annual road toll where we were collecting money for the charity. So you'll be heading back up on the roof, Alex? We're, we're really trying to uh, pin you down here. <laughs> uh, the, the, I uh, will be going up on the roof here in a second here to see all the guys guys, guys are doing. But uh, uh, everything's going very well. Uh, we had a record number of firefighters out this morning helping us raise funds as we had Fill the boot campaign going on Osborne Village this morning. Why muscular dystrophy, Alex? Well, muscular dystrophy has been one of our major charities. Uh, we support over a dozen charities here in the city of Winnipeg, but muscular dystrophy we've been supporting since 1954. Uh, the International Association of Firefighters in North America has raised close to a half a billion dollars for muscular dystrophy, Jerry Lewis's kids. And uh, in Canada alone, we've raised $80 million. And in Winnipeg, we're approaching the $1 million mark that we're going to be raising. So it's the roof of the number four station in Osborne Village. That's at the corner of Osborne and Stradbrook. Why that particular fire hall, Alex? Well, you know what? It has a lot of uh, traffic movement. It's easier to collect funds. And, and the major way that we do this is, is we have firefighters that get out and, and we do what's called fill the boot, where we're going to see firefighters on the intersections of Osborne. And every time there's a red light, we go out and we get uh, funds from people in cars and such. And uh, that's that's the main way we raise funds this week. Uh, last year, we raised about $100,000 from this endeavor, and we're hoping to beat the sum this year. Well, that's the kind of booter we can all live with, filling a boot with uh, money. I don't know if you heard our conversation earlier, Alex. We're trying to distinguish the difference, if there is one, between a booter and a soaker. And I imagine a firefighter has had had one of each or several of each over the years. In our minds, a booter is when you get snow in your boot. A soaker is when you get water and your soak gets wet. Uh, do, you, do you care to weigh in on this uh, very, very pressing issue? Well, I can tell you that when a firefighter gets a soaker, it's uh, usually because the basement's full of water from fighting a fire. And if it's really cold out, the, the one thing you learn is you never em- em- empty the boot. Because once the boot's full of water, it actually stays warmer than if you empty the boot with water. Wow, that's science. I never would have thought about that. So Alex yeah, Forrest, yeah, Bill yeah, Nye the Fun Science Guy, sure. and Justin Trudeau, all uh, talking exactly. science. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so uh, you guys, or they've been out there since, was it yesterday this started? Yeah, it uh, was. It kicked off yesterday, and they'll be out here till Thursday, Thursday afternoon. Uh, you'll see us out outside at rush hour in Osborne Village from uh, uh, in the morning rush hour, afternoon rush hour, and as well, you're uh, you're welcome to come by and drop off a donation anytime you want at the Forest Station Fire Hall, and uh, come in and say hi to the men and women of the Winnipeg Fire Department. All right. 
Thank you, Alex Forrest. We appreciate your time and uh, enjoy your sleep out there tonight, right? <laughs> okay, thank you very much. <laughs> right. Okay, Alex Forrest is the president of UFFW. Again, they're trying to surpass the $100,000 mark in support of muscular dystrophy. They're at the roof of number four station in Osborne Village. They started yesterday and they're going to be there until uh, March 9. So good for the good for the firefighters for doing this or getting out on that roof. And that's, uh, I mean, that that particular fire hall, I is it fair to say, safe to assume in terms of visibility is easily the most friendly as far as uh, being a part of a neighborhood goes without question and uh i actually surprise surprise used to deliver milk there one summer <laughs> as uh, really? yes one of my roots included the number uh it's the number four right yeah. uh fire station and about five o'clock in the morning i would tiptoe and walk right into the fire station past the sergeant who might be manning the door and go right in the kitchen put the milk right in the fridge that was uh, the highlight of my day actually at the beginning <laughs> of the day on Monday, Brett, we had the conversation about what does it take to close the schools in Winnipeg and in Manitoba. And some of the feedback we got was tied to the concern about well, what I do with my kids. Well, for a lot of people, what do I do with my kids involves grandparents. Grandparents are problem solvers in our society. Can you imagine what's happening over in Africa? There are many grandmothers raising orphan grandchildren in sub-Saharan Africa due to the AIDS pandemic that has ravaged their countries. Grands and More is an organization that is showing support and solidarity towards those African grandmothers. And there is an event, a fundraising event, happening tomorrow evening at the Park Theatre, which has a unique element for those who have something to say. To tell us more about It's Okay to Rant, we are joined by Kathy Hiller from Grands and More, Winnipeg. Kathy, welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me. Kathy, you don't look like someone that, that rants very often, but I'm guessing that you're capable of it when you're inclined to do so. Um, I, I am not allowed to be on the rant because they don't quite know what I might say on the rant. <laughs> so, therefore, we have invited very well-known people from Winnipeg, as well as those who are beginning their foray into theatrical presentations, to, to come and provide for us a rant for this evening. Some of those people that are coming uh, are, are people like Sal Burroughs, uh, social justice advocate here in the city. We had him in the studio just a few days ago, Sal, so uh, we, we have Great. a lot of respect for him here. I see Laura Ray, another favorite guest of ours on the roster as well. Exactly. Al Simmons is coming, and uh, Shahina Siddiqui uh, is coming as well. And then we have a couple of young students uh, in the senior high school uh, area of Winnipeg who are coming, uh, Kirsten Cruz and Janine Brown, they're going to be there as well. So tie this all together for us. Where does the rant come in? It's okay to rant and then tie it into the cause. Okay. Well, it it, it, it is an idea that uh, came from uh, a conference I went to in Toronto with the Stephen Lewis Foundation. Grands and More Winnipeg is one of 240 grandmothers groups across Canada who support the uh, grandmothers in sub-Saharan Africa in 15 of those countries. And so we are supporting uh, 1,600 projects to enable the grandmothers to care 
for these 17 million plus orphans in that area. It's a huge undertaking. And these grandmothers, we're not talking about young grandmothers like 40 years old and 50 years old. We're talking about 60, 70, 80 and into early 90s, taking care of infants up into teenagers, coming back out from being grandmothers to becoming mothers all over again with all the tragedy that these children have experienced. And so in support and solidarity with these grandmothers so that they can have basic human rights of food and clothing and shelter, so they can send their children to school, so they can have medicines for themselves as well as their children, okay? These kinds, so that these grandmothers are also going back to work. They are, instead of being cared for, they are now the caregivers. And so in that light, the grandmothers groups across Canada provide fundraising and awareness events of which Grands and More is one of 240, uh, uh, one of the 240 groups across Canada. So we provide all kinds of awareness, whether we are uh, at the wellness in, uh, fairs, whether we are going to the Simon, uh, Simons Justice Fair, whether we are talking at the Canadian Mu- Museum of Human Rights, whether we're entering into schools and doing a simulation game with, with students, whether we're mer- uh, our fundraising events, whether we're having a Scrabble event, whether we are going to conferences like government conferences, uh nurses conferences and and selling our merchandise. It all brings awareness to the facts of these grandmothers and they are the why behind what we do. Grands and More, how long has this organization been around? Grands and More began in the fall of 2007. And so we've been in operation for just over 10 years now. And during that 10 years, uh, we have put on various numbers of of, of great events, one-of-a-kind events, and one which you may know about, which is going into its fourth year now, it's the Art from the After Sale. And that's where we invite people to give us the pictures off their walls that they don't want anymore, and we take them, we sell them at bargain basement prices. Well, with that in event, um, Grants and More has been able to raise over $500,000 towards the support of the grandmothers in sub-Saharan Africa in the last 10 years. Very impressive. Very impressive. So this lineup, as we've mentioned, Lara Ray, uh, Sal Burroughs, Al Simmons, Shahina Siddiqui, just to name a few. This is happening tomorrow night at Park Theatre, 698 Osborne Street. Tickets are only 20 bucks. Uh, The doors open at 6 and the showtime at 7. Entertainment includes the Yucca Ladies... That sounds fun. Uh, Kelvin High School Senior Jazz Band. There's going to be uh, merchandise sales, cash, bar, raffle, uh, 50-50 draw. Oh, and this is interesting. So you can be a ranter uh, for 10 bucks for a three-minute rant. That's absolutely right. And so people, as they come in the door, we're going to have a table where they can sign up. And hopefully they can get off their chest, what has been bothering them, okay, as long as we have to have some rules. Right, qualifiers. What what we have to do is remember it as if your grandmother is in the room. All right. So, therefore, we want you to be respectful. We don't want any bad words being said, Mm -hmm. okay? And uh, 
try to be non-political. Oh, good lord. Oh, my God. Wow. And that is why they will not allow me to talk. <laughs> non-political. Non-political. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what uh, Lara Ray brings to the table then. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, or uh, Doug Spears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Sal Burroughs. <laughs> so this so, is going to be entertaining beyond words. It is. It truly is. We are really looking forward to this evening and uh, hoping that uh, it will be a sellout occasion uh, tomorrow evening. The website is grandsandmore.com. And again, uh, you can. this is happening tomorrow night at uh, Park Theatre. Doors open at 6 o'clock, showtime 7 until 9. So we just have one more minute left with our guest, Kathy Hiller from Grands and More Winnipeg. What is uh, the next event? I know you're, you've got to look at what's happening tomorrow, but uh, this is, I, I'm just looking at your website and I see that uh, you are a busy group. We are a very busy group, and uh, the next groups will, uh, the next events will be in in fundraising as well, and in terms of uh, of um, going to the conference for the nurses here in the city, I will be attending the MGEU conference uh, for merchandise sales and brand in, in April. In uh, at, at the in June, we have our annual general meeting, and at that gathering, we are having uh, uh, a researcher from the uh, uh, biology lab here, our microbiology lab here, uh, dealing with the AIDS pandemic and what they are doing in Kenya itself. And so, uh, Winnie Apiti will be our guest speaker for that evening on June 7th. Kathy Hiller from Grands and More, Winnipeg. Thank you so much for telling us about It's Okay to Rant happening tomorrow night at Park Theatre. Again, more information, Grands and More. So, Grand S N More.com. The seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around. Starting tomorrow, you won't mind getting frozen Disney on ice. Presents Frozen at Bell MTS Place. That goes through until March the 11th. The event is hosted by Mickey and Minnie Mouse. will feature many beloved Disney characters from Frozen, The Lion King, Toy Story, and... Many others. I guess that was The Little Mermaid. Am I right on that? That was, uh, yeah, that was, was that Under the Sea? Under the Sea? Please tell me that was The Little Mermaid. Yes, you got it right. (laughs) (laughs) Prince Eric and Ariel are in the studio with us right now, out of costume. They are William Ott and Adrian Ott. They're not brother and sister. They are, in fact, husband and wife, and you guys are absolutely awesome. Thanks for coming to visit us today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Welcome to Winnipeg. I know it was a little bit of a tenuous uh, trip from Minneapolis. You got uh, stuck at the border over the night uh, Sunday. Great to have you in town. What are your impressions of our Winnipeg uh, so far? Oh, we love it. I mean, it was it was a struggle getting here. We definitely uh, are making the most out of our time in Winnipeg, and we went to Thermia, and we've been to the Forks, and it's great. We love this city. Oh, wow. You're already uh, doing tourism uh, Winnipeg commercials. We love that. You guys are essentially from Hershey, Pennsylvania, and we realized that we kind of got have some connections via the American Hockey League, right? The Hershey Bears and the Manitoba Moose. What year did they go in the finals against each other? Was it 2009, Brett? That's right. The 2008-2009 season, the Manitoba Moose and the Hershey Bears met in the Calder Cup final and the Bears were victorious, Boo four games bears. to two. <laughs> Boo Bears. Now, Hershey, Pennsylvania, for those that don't know, of course, the home of Hershey Chocolate. In fact, isn't the main avenue Chocolate Avenue right yeah, down chocolate the center avenue, of town? Right down in the center, yep. 
<laughs> Fantastic. So how long have you guys been skating? Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, this is our fourth year with the show. But uh, before that, me and Adrian met in 2010. Um, I was a hockey player at the time, and she was a figure skater. And uh, she wanted me to start figure skating. Actually, I wanted her to start playing hockey first. And she <laughs> said the only way that's going to happen is if I figure skate. So we kind of switched sports, and she won. And we... Uh, we did an audition with Disney on Ice, and here we are, four years later. Isn't that something? And you got, you you got married. Your your wedding took place in in a spot that uh, is rather conducive to what you do. Yeah, actually, we had been engaged for about two and a half years, and being on tour, it was kind of difficult to plan a wedding. There was really no right time, and we wanted our family to be there. And we met some pretty special people on tour too that felt like family, and we wanted them to be there. And we had an opportunity to get married on the ice in Pittsburgh after a three-show day. So we were just, we were tired and it was exhilarating and our family could be there. Um, they drove, it was only about four hours away. So it was perfect. Uh, you're testing my arena knowledge, PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh? Yeah, or? you got the new yes, name too. It was, oh. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was, was Con- Arena It was console, console oh, when console, we got married there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's only been through about three name changes that yeah. drink <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Well, what an awesome place to, to get married. I would be I would have been down with that. Uh, very apropos for you. How did you get into figure skating, uh, Adrian? I just went with a group of friends when I was around 10 years old and really loved it and have loved it ever since. So the 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 fact that you guys uh, do three you mentioned three shows in a day, uh, eight shows for in four days here. You've got a show wow. tomorrow night, a show Friday night, and then three shows on Saturday, three shows on Sunday. That sounds awfully grueling, is it not? No, I William? mean it's not. Um, obviously, it's a lot of shows, and sometimes we do more, sometimes we do less. But every time, no matter how many shows we're doing, it's great because you get to see a different crowd every day. Um, and you get to perform to new people and see new smiling faces. So it doesn't matter if you're doing five shows or twelve shows in a week. It's all, it's all fun. Yeah, the magic of Disney—it's inexplicable almost, right? I've taken my kids to Disneyland, and and they're so immersed in the whole world that has been created. And to have it come to Winnipeg is kind of a neat thing for a lot of kids. And you obviously seeing this uh, on tour all across North America. If you can't get to Florida or California, this is a great compromise for a lot of people. Exactly. And and we definitely try to bring the magic and try to make the kids feel like they're actually in Arendelle and they're actually on the side of the North Mountain with Elsa. It actually snows inside. I know we've gotten a lot of snow this week. People might be sick of it, but I think it's a lot more fun and a lot more magical for your kids when it's happening indoors and they get to see Elsa right there, right, right in front of their faces and get to sing along with them and dance along in their cute little Elsa and Anna dresses. So how, how elaborate are some of the costumes that are being worn by your cast? I'm wondering if it makes it difficult to skate. No, I mean, um, back when we built the show, they uh, they take a lot of time to make sure that we have costumes that, that work for us and that um, are obviously beautiful. Um, some of my favorite dresses um, dresses and costumes overall uh, are in some of the numbers, like uh, the coronation scene in the, in the show. Uh, they have beautiful dresses in there. The guys have beautiful... Um, what are they? Tuxedos. Yeah, like tuxedo kind of things. And ball gowns. Yeah, ball gowns. And it's just a great number uh, to look at. They're all 
uh, decked out in rhinestones and, and crystals, and it's it's a it's a great thing to see. I think a lot of us remember ice capades from when we were kids, right? And uh, the lighting technology, the sound technology, has dramatically improved over the last even the last fifteen years in arenas. So that whole immersive experience has has really changed since uh, dare I say since we were kids. Yeah, definitely. We, I know we get to watch a show maybe one or two times a year, and it always. It gives me chills watching it. You, there's just some points in there when when Elsa is performing "Let It Go," that is just a show-stopping part. It, it gives you chills, and I mean, just the way that they did the lighting and the ice, and it's it's just amazing. You have to go see it for yourself, William. What does anybody like when you're doing a schedule like this that is uh, so busy with so many shows? What happens if someone gets hurt? God forbid. Yeah, I mean, with having. Um an athletic lifestyle and you're always prone to getting injured or sick. Um, but everyone in the show is so prepared and so well knowledge in, in everyone else's show tracks that um, if someone goes out, someone else can easily take that spot and cover for them. Just like you would do in any other job, you kind of cover for each other and are prepared to do that job. So there's obviously a, a tremendously large uh, traveling cast, crew, etc., traveling by semi-trailer and by bus. But you two have um, taken a decidedly different approach to traveling around North America. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we have a car on tour. So we decided because we're playing just a North American tour that we would uh, have a car. And a lot of the cities were only like a few hours drive. So it was just something that we felt like would enhance our tour experience for the year. And we like to go on side trips and make the most out of being on tour together. So um, we like to go hiking and stuff out in nature. And sometimes that can be far away. So having a car just makes it so much easier and enjoyable. Wow, what a great way to embrace this whole thing, William, and to uh, turn this into a real genuine adventure, right? Versus something that I imagine could be a real grind if you let it be. Yeah, um, obviously, like Adrian said, we like to do a lot of uh, different things on our days off, uh, like to hike, like to ski. Um, and I think once you start shows for the week, it's it's uh, a different kind of scene than, than your days off when you're seeing the town and kind of doing all the touristy things. And then uh, once Wednesday or Thursday hits and you start shows and you get to perform for all these smiling faces, it kind of uh, makes you really think that you're living the best life. How long are you on tour? Uh, well, so we started, what, September this year and then, or last year, and then we'll go until the middle of May. That's a long time. Um, and you also spent a long time at uh, the border trying to get here, right? Yeah, we actually got held up. We uh, were driving from Minneapolis. <laughs> we, yeah, I guess that was bad wording. Uh, Regional vernacular. We yeah. uh, were driving on Sunday night to get to Winnipeg after our shows in Minneapolis. And around 2.30, we were driving in the snow and finally get to the border and... We're thinking that we're only about an hour and a half away from Winnipeg, and we get uh, to the border control, and they're like, no, the highway is closed. You have to come inside. So got to spend the night in the hotel border control, so that was fun. <laughs> was it a, Were there bars on your door? No, no. There was no free breakfast, though. There, yeah, no is... free breakfast. <laughs> you mean Canada Border Services doesn't yeah. have an offer a continental breakfast? Think. My <laughs> goodness, we're going to have to take that up with them on your behalf in case that happens next time you're through. Where's your next stop? Now I'm fascinated to know where you're going next. Uh, Fargo. 
Fargo. Oh, so you're making a U-turn going back to exactly. Fargo. Exactly. Right She'll center down there. It'll be a great time. Yeah. You guys, it was a tremendous pleasure to meet you. And, uh, well, good luck with uh, the rest of your tour. And we look forward to the show. How many shows are you doing again in Winnipeg? We have eight. So oh uh, one tomorrow, one Friday, and then three on Saturday and three oh. on Sunday. Oh, my goodness. Yep, and tickets start at $20. Uh, so this is uh, sounds like a great time for the family. Disney on ice. Frozen, once again, we have been joined by Adrian Ott, who is playing Ariel, and William Ott, who is Prince Eric for Frozen on ice. What a pleasure to meet uh, the both of you. Thanks for coming in. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thanks to Behind the Glass Jerry, Chandelier Vidal. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thank you for listening to 680 CJOB.